You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. podcast or Matt Walsh on demand whatever whatever we're calling this thing you know it's kind of strange doing uh, doing this because I, I record these I'm just doing one a week right now and obviously I pre-record them and then we upload them so sometimes it's difficult to plan out what I want to talk about because things change so often and relevant topics don't remain relevant for very long so I was hold on one second cat jumped up on my it's not my cat it's my wife's cat and i don't and i feel bad because I, i'm not gonna say i hate the cat because we should not by the way this is not a problem that you have if, if, if you're a real broadcaster in a real studio you don't have a problem with rogue cats coming and jumping up on your lap when you're trying to do a show but this is what happens when you're at your house I feel bad because you shouldn't hate, and I and I, and I don't. You shouldn't hate any of God's creatures, and and I don't hate it. But I I dislike, I really dislike cats. I I just, and they've never done anything to me really. I just don't. I, I don't know what it is. So I have this relatively intense distaste for the cat, and I feel bad. I feel kind of bad about that. It's just they're just in. It doesn't contribute anything to the house. It just sits around all day and eats eats the food that we provide, never says thank you. And you might say, well, kids are the same way. Yeah, but kids will grow up eventually, and they'll become uh, grateful, and they'll be- – well, maybe not. Maybe that doesn't happen. But at least they'll contribute to – well, maybe they, they, a lot of kids these days never grow up to contribute. But theoretically, that could happen, whereas with a cat, it just won't. The cat will never get a job is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, um, so last week I was thinking to myself, well, I'm going to, you know, when I do the podcast, I'll, I want to do something about the Ebola panic, the way overboard, way overdone Ebola panic in this country. And I thought, well, that's, uh, it's an important topic. I can say a few things that maybe some other thing people aren't saying, and it's relevant. You know, it's a hot take, hot take on a hot topic. And then that was, I was probably thinking that on Friday. And here it is on Wednesday when I record the podcast, and uh, it's like nobody cares anymore. I mean, they still talk about it in the news a little bit. It goes from it, it well, last week. It was whether you're watching CNN or Fox News or whatever, it, all all day, all hour, just Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. Um, and now it's maybe the twenty twenty five mark in the hour. They'll mention it and then they'll get on to something else. It's not trending on Twitter anymore. It's not you don't see it all over people's Facebook uh, walls. It's not all, all over the Facebook news feed anymore. You go to CNN.com, FoxNews.com. You go to any of these any of these Drudge Report. You go to any of these uh, news websites, and you know you're not going to see it all over the place like you did before. So it's we went from um, the in people's minds anyway, and according to the media, we went from the very real possibility that Ebola could sweep across the nation and kill all of your loved ones. We went from that, and within two or three days, it's just another news story amongst a bunch of other news stories, and we don't give it any more weight than we give to the other to the other stories. You see how quickly things change. And I shouldn't say that things change quickly. It's just our 
attitude towards them and our feelings about them and what emphasis we put on them, that's what changes so quickly. The changes are directly correlated to or in direct response to the media. Right? And I know I'm not breaking any new ground here or saying anything you don't already know, but I think we need, we need to keep pointing this out because it keeps happening. That despite the fact that we are surrounded with sources of information and we can go anywhere to get information, uh, still the mass media dictates what we care about. And if they tell us to care about it, they tell us not only to care about it, but what to think about it. And we just follow right along dutifully like sheep without even second-guessing it. And the thing is, if you do second-guess it, if you question it, then all of the other sheep will line up and attack you. And so here's what I experienced last week, because I don't want to let this Ebola thing go. The fact is that we spent about a week to two weeks with uh, people in the media and also just your friends uh, in social media, just people around you, insisting that there was a real possibility that Ebola could become an epidemic in the United States. And I don't think we should let that go. I think the people that, the people that ginned up that panic... Uh, the fear mongerers, whether they're in the media or otherwise, I think they should have to answer to it. They, they can't just move on to the next thing. It's, oh, yeah, well, anyway, moving on. We can't allow that. We can't uh, allow them to pretend they didn't do that, which is what we usually do. So my experience with the Ebola thing, and, and, and obviously Ebola um, is, a, is a, a real epidemic in some parts of Africa, although you know, from what I've been reading the last few days, uh, in some countries, they have, they have, they have, they do have it under control. They have contained it in some countries, but it is a, a real epidemic. It's killed thousands of people, right? And, and there's a definition for an epidemic, and, and a disease that spreads rapidly kills thousands of people in a in a you know relatively short period of time. That fits the uh, definition of epidemic. A disease that impacts two or three people in a nation of 320 million or 300 and whatever 40, 50 million, if you count the illegal immigrants. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, a, a disease that impacts three people in a country supposedly of 320 million, that's not an epidemic. In fact, that's not anywhere close to an epidemic. It could have, it could have spread to 50 other people, and it still would not be even close to an epidemic. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching over the last few weeks as, as people just lose their minds over this. And, I, I, and I'm usually a hypochondriac, keep in mind. I'm the hypochondriac guy. So if you name a disease, and you, I can guarantee you that at some point in my life, I thought I had it. And if I've never heard of the disease, all you have to do is tell me about it, and tomorrow I'll start coming down with the symptoms, in my imagination anyway. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. As a, as a uh, I don't know about a clinical hypochondriac, I don't know if I would get quite to that level, but I think I'm close. I am sadly close. So even as a hypochondriac, a relatively paranoid individual who's become even more paranoid recently now that I have a family, um, even I looked at this and said, whoa, 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 everybody, hang on a minute. This is, this is a little out of hand. I, I mean, there's no reason why one to three people in America having Ebola should be front page news. And there's no reason why for a week or more we had to en endure it as, as, you know, it became front page news if some guy in, in Utah started vomiting on an airplane. 
you know, someone vomits or checks into a hospital somewhere in the country with a fever, all of a sudden, Ebola-like symptoms, man checks into hospital. Yeah, that just means that he has a fever and he's throwing up. There are thousands of reasons why he could be having a fever and throwing up. One of them's Ebola, but of all of the reasons, that is the least likely. Yet the media takes it and runs with it, and yeah, they don't report, oh, this guy has Ebola, but they insinuate, could be Ebola. Yeah, and he could be a Martian. For all, he, he could be an alien, from, and, he's, and he's acclimating to the climate, and he's not, he, he, it's too much oxygen or something. That could, that could also be the case, couldn't it? It could be. We can't say for sure that it isn't. But you don't include that in your headline, do you? Because that is, you know, there's about a point zero 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 one percent chance of that being the case. Just like all along, now and last week, there was a point zero 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 one percent chance of you catching Ebola. So I, I saw this overboard panic, and I, um, I didn't write a blog post about it, but I did, uh, you know, I wrote about it on social media, on Facebook a few times, where I simply said, hey, everybody, look, let's calm down. Um, everyone's going to be okay. Uh, you're not going to die. Well, you will die eventually, but it probably won't be Ebola. You're going to be worrying about dying from Ebola, and you'll get hit by a truck or get pancreatic cancer or something like that. I mean, th- th- those are... Those are real threats in society. Ebola really isn't. Um, and, I, and I made that point, and I was trying to just be balanced and, and rational and uh, reassure people, right? And I found that I was attacked. It's not the first time I've been attacked on the Internet, but, but think about the reason why. I was attacked for saying to people, you probably won't get Ebola. All of a sudden, that became an offensive thing to say. People were offended that I told them they won't get Ebola. They were offended by it. Now, I'm not making this up. I, I, dozens of people. Matt, you know, I've been, I've been with you all. I've read you for a year, and I've agreed with a lot of what you say, but this is this is beyond the pale, and I'm done. I'm, I'm done. You tell me I'm not getting Ebola, I'm done. That's it. I'm checking out, Matt. I've had enough of you. Good riddance. Walk around telling people they won't get Ebola. What's wrong with you? People responding saying, you know, I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse. I've been in the medical field. And I can tell you, you should be terrified of this. Really? We should be terrified of it? That's your medical training talking? Or is that your status as a viewer of cable news talking? Now, I'll admit, I did a podcast about um, Ebola a few weeks ago. And I took, as a lot of people have, I took the administration to task for not... Uh, banning travel, commercial travel from Ebola-infected countries, right? And I stand by that. Um, and now the CDC has decided that they're they're going to start monitoring the people that come in. This is new. I, I, well, it's new when I'm recording it. But um, the, the CDC has decided that people that come in from Ebola-infected countries will be monitored for, I think, 30 days uh, to make sure that they don't have Ebola. And I think at this point the administration knows, the CDC know that um, – that they should have, and they still should, just shut down commercial travel from these countries. And these are, you know, small countries. There, there aren't a lot of people that, that, we're not putting a lot of people out in the first place because it's not like that many people come from Liberia to America every single day. And that's something the CDC has told us. Well, not that many people even come in the first place, so it's not that much of a concern. Well, if not that many people come, then it shouldn't be hard just to stop the very few that come in the first place. Just just because it's better safe than sorry. Not because we're panicking, not because we think that uh, we're all going to die from Ebola, but just because it's just a smart thing to do. It's a smart thing to do. It's a safe thing to do. And there's no real reason not to. 
It's not. It's not. It, it wouldn't be that much trouble of all of the things that the government can do. Um, of course, the government can't do anything well, but it does have the you know arguably technically the capability of doing many things. Uh, you think shutting down commercial travel from Liberia would be would be one of the things that they can do, right? It's a power that they possess. So you might accuse me of being inconsistent or hypocritical because on one hand I'm saying to the Obama administration, just like everybody else in the country, you know, you need to shut down commercial travel. On the other hand, I'm saying, look, you're not going to get Ebola. Everything's okay. But I also think, okay, I also think that uh, you will not die on an airplane from a terrorist attack. It's not something that you have to live in fear of. That's not something that you have to be paranoid about. You can travel on an airplane, and you don't have to worry about it. You can take your kids on an airplane, and that's not something that you should really be worried about. And I say that because you can look at all of the people that have flown on an airplane in the United States uh, in, say, the past 10 years. How many of them were terrorists who were attempting to carry out an attack either on the plane or using the plane? Obviously, we have September 11th. We've got other attempts like the underwear uh, bomber, the, the, the shoe bomber. Um, and, but if you look at all of the attempts, whether successful or not, and you compare that to all of the other people who were not trying to blow up a plane, who boarded a plane in the last 10 years, 15 years, um, you're going to find that the statistical probability of someone on an airplane being a terrorist is, is somewhere, it's, it's back to that point zero 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 one percent so it's such a small probability that it's not something that you can that you should worry about. Because if you went around worrying about things that have a point zero 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 infinite zero one percent chance of happening, if you worried about that actively on a daily basis, you would not be able to function. You wouldn't be able to function as a as a rational human being in society. Yet, although I feel that way, I still think that measures should be taken to protect airplanes from terrorist attacks. I'm not a fan of the TSA. I don't think the government should be doing it. I think you can hand it back over to the airlines and let them handle it on a private, um, you know, let them handle security as, as private entities, which is what they would do, obviously. They, they, they have, you know, they have um, more invested in making sure that airplanes don't blow up than the TSA does. For one thing, you, you know, you'd like to think that United Airlines, Delta, they, they you know, they, they actually don't want their passengers to die. But um, from a mercenary perspective, uh, from a capitalistic perspective, it's it's very expensive to have airplanes blow up. So they are very invested in making sure it doesn't happen. So I, on one hand, I think that measures should be taken to ensure safety on the airplane, that terrorists don't attack it. On the other hand, I think it's extremely unlikely that um, a terrorist would try to attack any particular airplane. Okay? So I would say the same thing with Ebola. Take the basic reasonable steps to ensure that the very, 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 very unlikely worst-case scenario does not um, become our present real scenario. But I don't want to concentrate on that. It's been talked to death. Uh, what, what Everything that can be said about it has been said. Instead, I want to concentrate on the fact that um, Ebola hysteria gripped this nation for a few weeks and is now just fading away like any other panic of the moment, and it seems like every moment there's a new panic, and then it just fades away, and it's replaced by another one. And Ebola was that, and it's already fading, and in another two to three weeks, nobody will be talking about it. It won't be an issue in the elections because nobody will care at that point. 
It'll be so far in the past in our minds, so far in the past that nobody cares anymore. So what is it? I mean, in the information age, we have access to uh, so much knowledge. Why are we still so susceptible to being manipulated? Um, and, and I'm asking this question. I guess I don't. Let me open up the phone lines. What do you think? You can't actually call me, but just call, call your friend or something and tell them. Just uh, start a conversation about it. In this day and age, supposedly the information age, why are we still so susceptible to manipulation? I don't exactly have the answer to that question. I do know that Ebola was a bit of a perfect storm. Um, on one hand, we you know we know that it that it did devastate West Africa, and so we're aware of that. It was never front page news. It was never on the front of anybody's mind, or at least it wasn't on the front of most people's minds when it was just happening happening in Africa. It had to come here, and it had to had to touch a few people here, to one to three people here before we cared about it. Um, but we were aware. We were aware that it was happening in Africa. We were, we were aware that Ebola is a scary thing. So that's, that's one ingredient to the perfect storm. The other ingredient is that uh, it, 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 it came here around the time when there wasn't anything else happening in the news. So if there was some other big event in the news, um, say another uh, homosexual football player comes out of the closet, something like that, well, then, then obviously that's bigger, so we wouldn't be talking about Ebola. But there's nothing else happening in the news, so, so the news media said, okay, thank goodness we've got something to talk about. So they grabbed it. And then the other element, so we've got, you know, Ebola's a legitimately scary thing. We've got that, those clouds moving in. And then, and then from the north, we have uh, the fact that nothing else is happening in the news, and the news media is starving for ratings and starving for things to talk about. And so those two things collide. And then from the east, you have, or I guess this would be from the west. I don't know. No, I guess it would be from the east. Well, it doesn't matter. But, uh, and then from a different direction, you have um, politics, and you have the fact that it is an election season. And so then that collides with the news media and the scariness of it, and it becomes this it becomes this this hurricane of incredible proportions. And that's one thing I noticed about the reaction to Ebola. Now keep in mind, Ebola is just it's a virus, so it is a very apolitical organism, right? I, I don't think Ebola is going to show up during the midterm elections and, and vote for anybody. It won't campaign for anybody. It's just a virus. It doesn't care about any of that. It affects or could affect Republicans and Democrats alike, even moderates, independents. So it's absurd to think that Ebola becomes political, but it did. And so what I noticed is, uh, uh, strangely enough, when I took the position that the Ebola panic is overboard, overdone, I was accused by people who are, you know, on, quote, my side, with uh, with uh, legitimately ideological issues, I was accused by them of apologizing for Obama or taking the CDC side. In fact, I, one guy comments and says, oh, "I'd like to see that you're defending your precious Obama." Yes, my precious Obama. He's my he is my uh, he's a precious precious man, and I love him dearly. Clearly, from everything that, everything I've ever said, uh, that, that's what other conclusion could you draw? So you take this unemotional, objective position that Ebola is really not a huge concern in the United States. And all of a sudden it's turned into an ideological position. 
because the sides have been drawn, right? The lines have been drawn. The sides have been declared. And because Obama is the president, and he appointed the director of the CDC, and Ebola hit America uh, while he's in office, uh, if you're against Obama, then you have to take the position that Ebola is going to kill everybody. And if you're for Obama, then you have to take the position that Ebola is no big deal. And if there's any crossover at all, like say someone who is a fan of Obama takes the hysterical position, or someone who's not a fan of Obama takes the uh, the non-hysterical position, then those people that crossed over on Ebola have crossed over on everything. A a radical, lunatic, right-wing, fundamentalist, extremist like myself becomes a progressive because I'm not worried that my children will die of Ebola. That's what happened. It's, uh, it's, I, it escapes description. I keep wanting to use the word absurd, but it's beyond, it's, it's beyond absurd. And it's more, it's, um, it's more damaging. It's more detestable than that. It's, I mean, it's pathetic is what it is. It's pathetic. I mean, I, I am, uh, not usually the one who goes out there to spread a message of unity and getting along and singing kumbaya. It's not that I don't think that there, there should be unity and that we should get along. I mean, uh, yes, we, we should be unified. But I also recognize that um, until we get to the bottom of the deep divisions in this country, any unity we can find will be just just skin deep, Right? Paper thin, superficial, cosmetic, and, and that's the problem. That, that's why this country is torn torn apart, and that's why we can't quote get along, because we can't agree. You know, they, they call it the first things. We can't agree on the fundamental first things, and that's why I concentrate on those things so much. Because that we we have that is, is that's what it all comes down to. And until we address that. And until we can find some kind of consensus as a society on these issues, and when I say, I mean, I mean, is there a God? Is life sacred? Uh, you know, the nature of the family. I mean, these are things until we can, as a society, as a culture, come to, and it will never be a complete consensus, but come to some basic consensus, the kind of consensus that existed in this culture, in our society, you know, 100 years ago, the kind of consensus that exists in other societies and other cultures across the world. Until we can do that, there can't really be any unity because what are we unifying behind? What banner are we marching under? We're heading in two opposite directions for two opposite reasons. So all we're left with is, uh, hey, we both like vanilla ice cream and and, uh, we like listening to the Alabama shakes. I mean, that's all we're left with. We've got nothing else. I mean, this country can unify around the fact that um, it, it recently, it seems like we're all big fans of bacon. You know, everyone talks about everyone likes bacon, well, except for vegetarians, but they're not really Americans. Uh, so we can unify around that, but but we cannot unify around the substantive, real, deep thing. So our unity cannot be substantive, real, and deep. So all of that said, um, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting here sermonizing, but hey, we all need to get along. But on the other hand, there's no reason why something like Ebola should be ideological. You know, you don't have to look to the Republicans if you're a conservative to find out what you should think about Ebola. 
You don't have to look to them to find out what you should think about anything, as a matter of fact. But you, know, you also, but you don't have to think, well, all of my conservative friends are panic about e- panicking about Ebola and saying that there's a conspiracy uh, by the Obama administration to bring Ebola here and kill everybody, so I guess I should think that too. You don't have to do that. Not everything is ideological. Not everything is political. It's Everything is turned political. But you know what? We can't just blame the politicians for that. We can't blame Washington. We can't just blame the media, as I've been doing, because we participate. We gl- gladly and and enthusiastically participate. And why? You know, why do we do that? I, I, I don't know. I think it, it gives us... Um, It gives us a nice little box to put everything in. So you have something like Ebola, and it's kind of a, it's a complex subject, and uh, you know it takes a, it takes a, a sort of sober and rational mind to properly analyze. But we don't have time to be sober and rational minded, so we just like to we you know we're given the box of okay, well we're conservatives, we're supposed to think this. Boom, put it in the box. There you go. Slap a sticker on it. We're good to go. But I also think that there's something more disturbing at work here, um, and I and and I'm you know it'll be easy to accuse me of being uh, a despicable person for saying this. But with the 24-hour news coverage and and the way that things are reported now, where you know things are not reported like news items, like actual events, they're reported like plot lines in some great big Truman show reality TV show type of thing. And that's why, you know, you get the theme music and you get the, the graphics. And, uh, um, so if there's a school shooting somewhere, then you don't just get, well, here's what's going on with the school shooting before, you know, before, before news comes back, before the, before the, um, uh, news show comes back from break. There's the there's the, they all have you know CNN and all they all they all have their own little titles for it. So they have the you know the shooting in Connecticut, and then there's the the music, and then they come back and it's all so they they treat it like a storyline, like a plot line, and then they just pound it into your head constantly, twenty four seven, over and over and over again. And I think as as viewers, as uh, as people who can, as consumers of this. It has this effect of numbing us to the reality of what's going on in the world, and it also has the effect of detaching us from it. And so all of a sudden, we become uh, not like citizens of the country or citizens of a community finding out about what's actually happening in the world or in our country, in our community. We become viewers. We, you know, we, we switch off our real person brain, and we turn on our TV-watching brain, where everything becomes just a story and it almost it almost becomes entertainment and so when you know ebola when one guy ends up in america with ebola one guy and then we find out that he didn't transmit it to anyone in his family he didn't transmit it to anyone on the plane with him when he came he didn't transmit it to anyone but the two nurses who were with him and handling him as he was literally dying and puking up blood and vomit and and you know, shooting out projectile diarrhea. I mean, it, it just might have been a, a or it, we know that it was a, a violent and disgusting, grotesque, horrible, tragic scene. So the the only two people that he that he passed it on to were the people that were there for that, right? Um, and yet we, many of us, immediately jumped to 
oh, Ebola is going to take over the, the country and we should be terrified of it. I've heard that. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in the last two weeks. Yes, you should be scared. You should be. Um, and, and to jump you know, from, from the reality of it to we should be scared of this, it's such a, 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 an enormous leap um, that, that I have to think that part of what fuels that leap is almost this, and I think it's subconscious, but it's almost a desire. It's almost like we want to be afraid of it. It's not just that we are afraid of it or we've been tricked into being afraid of it, but we want to be. And I know that sounds horrible, but don't, don't shoot the messenger here. This is what's going on in the world. We're detached. Everything is a storyline. Everything is just fuel for an argument. Everything is a narrative. Everything's just a TV show. Everything is entertainment to us. Everything. We are, we are, you know, it's, it's bread and circuses. It's, 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 uh, we're in the Coliseum chanting as, uh, someone is disemboweled and, 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 and uh, you know, having their head chopped off or as Christians are being eaten by lions and we're, we're cheering and chanting and, you know, drinking wine as we watch it because to us it's, it's, look at it. We you know it's in a Coliseum. Everyone's around and there are kids there and, you know, they've got the uh, popcorn vendors going by and the eating food and drinking. And so it's just the environment is just, just entertainment. And so we see whatever we see, even though it's real to us, it's just it's it's not right. It's we don't we don't ingest it that way. We ingest it as entertainment. That's this thing that I kept and I, and I couldn't shake the feeling. I couldn't shake the feeling that that what I was encountering is not only that people were afraid of Ebola, but they wanted to be afraid of it. And And I don't know. Maybe we're just, you know, when it comes down to it, we're so bored. As I said, we're just, we, we know we're desensitized and, and numb, but we're so bored. We need things to fear. We need things to uh, be angry about. We need things. We need some kind of boogeyman, some sort of doomsday right around the corner. We need that. In some ways, we, we want it. It helps us feel alive. It gives us some kind of purpose, something to do, I guess. It's, um, it's disturbing. Now, I've been concentrating a lot on cable news and how cable news fuels a lot of this, and it still does, even though I think cable news ratings are uh, steadily going down. And if you look at the average age of the cable news viewer, I think it's somewhere around 78 uh, to 82 years old. But it still has the power to drive so-called mass media. Interestingly enough, although it is dwindling in ratings and viewership, it still has the power to drive the national conversation in a very significant way. And because it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week of reporting the news, that means that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there has to be something to talk about. So some of it's just out of necessity. That everything has to be sensationalized because otherwise they have nothing to talk about. So it makes you wonder, are there actually things going on in the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week that you need to know about? I know we're obsessed with being informed. We talk so much about being informed, being an informed person, an informed voter. It's interesting that we talk about being informed, but we never talk about actually being wise or knowledgeable because those are different things. You can be very informed, but not knowledgeable and not wise at all. And I think the, the more important thing is to be knowledgeable and wise. It's less important to be informed. And in fact, if you have no wisdom and you have no knowledge, then being informed can be dangerous. Because then all you have is just, just uh, bits of information bouncing around in your head, but you lack the knowledge and wisdom to process them and do something with them and analyze them in a rational way. So probably in the end, 
There just aren't. There's not enough. There's a lot going on in the world, but as 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 just individual human beings with you know who who we have families and we live in communities, there aren't enough things happening globally that we actually need to know about all the time. And the more we concentrate on that, the more we lose sight of what's going on right around us, as in as in the room, you know, the, the room next door, you know, whatever your kid is doing in the next room or what your neighbor is doing in the house uh, to the left of you. I mean, that those are the things, those are the, the most relevant things. First is your family, then your community, uh, and, then, and then it just it ripples out from there. But we spend so much time finding out what's going on in, uh, you know, Missouri or the Middle East or the Ukraine or Africa – uh, we spend some, or Canada or whatever, we spend so much time on that, and uh, because the cable news never reports on what our kids are doing, or on, you know, the fact that our wives feel neglected, or that our husbands don't feel respected by us, you know, the fact that cable news never tells us that, and that it doesn't trend on Twitter, and nobody talks about it on Facebook, we lose sight of it. And that's a problem. But that's the other part of this. We talk about cable news, but of course most of us, and I'm certainly in this category, most of us get our information from the internet. But the internet can have the same effect that cable news has. And I'm not arguing against the existence of the internet. I make my living on the internet. I depend on the internet. The internet can be a wonderful thing. Just like cable news could, can be, potentially, a wonderful thing. It's just that there are some flaws, some deadly flaws, some problems that we have to look at. And I think on the internet... Uh, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I, I would venture a guess that most people get their, quote, information not from actual news sites, but from social media. They get it from Twitter, and they get it from what they see on their news feed. And that's probably 90% of where most people get their information. And it's not even and, – and when I say they get it off their news feed or Twitter, I mean they just – whatever they see on their news feed or their Twitter, it's not even like they're necessarily clicking links and reading about things, but they're just getting a – overall impression of a, 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 a jumbled, uh, confused impression of what's going on in the world just based on the uh, whatever their friends are linking to on Facebook or on, on uh, Twitter. And sometimes it can have the same effect, but even worse, whereas with cable news, sometimes uh, real events are funneled through the, the prism of entertainment. With the Internet, sometimes things are reduced even more and they're funneled through hashtags you know real events become hashtags or they become 140 character uh tweets or they become you know an argument on uh, someone's facebook page and for something to become the biggest thing going on in the world the thing that you must be concerned about all it has to do is trend on facebook and twitter and think about that phrase trend they're just trends everything's a trend on the news, everything's a plot line. On the internet, everything becomes a trend, and we lose a certain perspective um, in the midst of all that. And as I've said, I'm on the internet. I'm in this business, um, so maybe there's a conflict of interest. But and I'm not saying that the internet should disappear. All these things should disappear. It's just that uh, maybe every once in a while we should, as individuals, take a step back from it and try to keep things in perspective, and try to keep our eye on the first things, the most important things. And try to keep in mind that just because something's all over cable news or just because it's all over your Facebook news feed doesn't actually make it all that important. It could be, but not necessarily. Just because everybody's talking about something doesn't mean anything. 
People talk all the time. We talk way too much. We're always talking about something. We've got to fill our mouths and our ears with something constantly all the time. There's never allowed to be a silence or a break from it. Um, so it doesn't mean anything, necessarily. Even this podcast, even this podcast right here doesn't uh, necessarily mean any- anything. It's just a podcast. It's up for you to process and uh, you to decide. And I think we'll leave it there, but I appreciate you listening. Um, and uh, as I've just been dumping on social media, now's a good time to add that you can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash blog and Twitter at MattWalshBlog. I'm part of the problem. What can I say? All right, I'll talk to you uh, next week. Akuche, salute. Have a good one.